Welcome to When I Was On My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of When I Was On My Mission. Everyone, I have a treat for you. I have a good friend, Chris Marsh, joining me today. Chris, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Happy to be here, Brian. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And Chris flew out here from Boston. We're here close to Salt Lake City, Utah. So he made a trek yes. and just really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Absolutely. I, I want to say that I've been listening to the podcast from day one and I've really enjoyed it. It's been really fun. I like what you're doing. Thank you. I, yeah. I really appreciate that. I think it's been a lot of fun to hear these stories and just get people to remember some of the amazing things that happened to them while they were on their mission. Absolutely. Like our stories are what creates you know, purpose and meaning in our lives. And missions are transformative experiences for people who go on missions. And it's been a lot of fun to like think about, oh, what story am I going to tell? Like, I'm, it's been great. So keep it up. Yeah, this is awesome. Will do. And Chris, so just to, to get us warmed up a bit, I want to ask you a couple questions. Okay. First, where did you serve your mission? I was in the Chile Concepcion South mission. So shout out to all of my fellow missionaries. Very good. Great. Hola, one of those. See. Si. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm assuming you spoke Spanish while, while yes. you were there. Okay. Yes, I did. Very good. Well, we joked that we I spoke Chilean because Chilean Spanish doesn't sound like actual Spanish. <laughs> they add a lot of like pronouns and other things onto the end of their words. And it does almost sound like a different language, but it is Spanish. It is Spanish. Very good. Yeah. And just a couple more questions. Were you excited to go on your mission? I was thrilled. I was really excited. I always was planning on going on a mission and loved the Savior. Yeah, like I felt like it was an honor to like wear his name and and I kn- and I knew that like I could I could do it with his help. So I knew it would be like a growth and learning experience for me, so I was really excited for it. And when you read your call and it was Concepcion Chile, were you yeah. excited about that? Yeah, I had this feeling and I don't know if you had this, you know, with North Carolina, but I was like that is the place I was supposed to go. I just felt it immediately. I was really excited. That is awesome. I actually had a little bit different of an experience. Did you? Um, yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell you about that. My grandpa was the mission president. Well, actually, my grandpa served his mission in Denmark. Okay. And then my dad was a missionary in Denmark. And then my oh. grandpa was a mission president in Denmark. You guys are like, Danish too, right? And we're like Danish. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so I thought, I'm, I'm going to Denmark for right. sure. Yeah. And I got called to North Carolina. Oh, and honestly, yeah. I was pissed off. <laughs> I was not happy about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just remember opening, opening the call and being really disappointed. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of get rolling into the MTC. You finally get out into the field and you meet the people and you get in yeah. the context of the situation. And then it took me, you know, three months longer than you. But I, f- yeah. I knew that I was in the place that I needed to be. Yeah. And met people that I needed to meet. Um, so yeah, I'm like fully convinced that North Carolina was the place for me. It just took me a little longer to realize that than, than it takes some people. I remember in college, you know, when we went on that study abroad together yeah. and you talked about your mission and how much it meant to you, like that you knew, you know, like that, that, that was where you're supposed to be. I remember that kind of feeling, you sharing that feeling with me. So yeah, that's 100%. really cool. You feel that still? Oh, 100%. <laughs> yes. Great. Yes. And last question for you. What yeah. do you miss most about being on a mission? 
The people, for sure. Uh, man, I just developed so many close friendships, relationships with people. I mean, seeing people come to Christ is such an intimate, amazing experience. Like, just to see light come back into people's lives, right? Who have been just lost or just down. Forgiveness does, like, bring light and beauty. Just It just reignites people. And so watching those transformations in people's lives, um, I miss the most. And I'm going to share a story about one tonight. Let's do it. Let's just jump right okay. in. Okay. Cool. So I have a few stories, but I'll start with um, the conversion story. That, that sounds great. Let's okay. do it. I was really blessed to have a great trainer on my mission. He was this 26-year-old Argentinian who was a convert to the church, like, and a year later went out on a mission after being baptized. That's awesome. And so he's older and more mature, kind of the strong, silent type. He and I, like, I didn't speak Spanish well at all, but he didn't speak any English. And we were out in the middle of nowhere, and we crushed it. (laughs) We, We loved each other. And we just worked hard. And I just had this great start to getting a feel for paying attention to the spirit and following those promptings when I was with him. He taught me a lot, but that was probably the most important thing he taught me is just to kind of trust your feeling about things because you could knock millions of doors on your mission. And in some cases, it is a little bit of a numbers game. Like we track key indicators, Mm -hmm. right? But uh, I think one of the biggest things like, that you can learn on a mission is to listen to the spirit. You know, you're uninhibited by like a job, family, like it's just you doing the Lord's work. And I, so I was in my second area and I was um, a senior companion and I had this prompting. It's like, go down this street and just start knocking the doors. Right. So I'm like, elder, I just feel we got to start knocking this street. And so we did. And in Chile, the way you knock a door is you actually stand at the f- edge of the fence outside the house and you yell, Allo. <laughs> Allo? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, and then you just wait and they'll come out and they'll be like, no, 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 Or they'll be, they'll, for the most part, like people in Chile were Christian and willing to talk about gospel related things, you know, like their, their faith and their spirituality. So blessed from that standpoint, if you go to a, spanish-speaking predominantly catholic christian that's what chile was like and people would talk to us for the most part talk to us but we came across this this girl who let us in like that was the goal to try to get in and teach the first lesson or teach something she let us in and we started to teach the first lesson to her and her brother walked in while we were teaching her and he was like mid-30s and i gotta describe this guy to you because otherwise the story doesn't make probably as, as much sense, but long, black, thick, curly hair. Awesome. Piercings in the nose, the ears, yes. the lips, <laughs> studs, tattoos. Awesome. <laughs> he was a tattoo artist. <laughs> black leather jacket, you know, ripped up jeans. Uh, it's based off his outward appearance, like, this guy did not seem close to God. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's basically, you know, but he sat down and he just listened. And towards the end, he said, he started to ask some questions and, and said, you know, I'm interested in your book. Can I have a copy too? Mm-hmm. We're like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, maybe. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're like, you take the reading assignment too, right? And I'm going to admit, like, I didn't have 
a lot of faith that that was going to turn into anything yeah uh, based off what i was seeing let and me just ask you really quick yeah were you intimidated when that guy walked in? oh yeah he was scary he was scary was he was he big just listening and staring at us just staring at you yeah okay. like <laughs> like a blank stare you know um but in like intense okay like like genuine interest but you can't really tell because it could have gone either way yeah, gone you know i wasn't way. really sure <laughs> all right fair enough but it, it went the what the way the better way the good way and uh we said yeah read 35 11 because that's what we would usually leave yeah. with people to read you know and set an appointment date to return and we returned to his house where he lived which was i'm not joking you a wooden shack right okay like i was gonna ask you what was it like yeah it was it was like somebody just took some plywood and put it together and he was living inside of it with his wife and child kind of a younger kid go to his house and he's like i read third nephi 11 and I decided to read all of First Nephi. <laughs> We're just like, as a missionary, you know, you're like, what? <laughs> no, you didn't. Come on. Yeah. We're yeah. like, let us ask you some questions. And his book was marked up. You know, he had like notes and stuff. He's like, I got these questions about, you know, First Nephi for like Lehi, dude. He was, he was bold, you know, <laughs> he really had faith. And we're like, yeah, he did. He had those dreams and he like the Lord came to him and he like followed those promptings. And he's like, that's amazing, you know. And he was one of those people that just believed. He just threw his heart into what we were teaching. And it's like he had been searching for it his entire life. But just this meaning. And he just read the whole Book of Mormon in two weeks. <laughs> And so we decided, you know, because he was progressing so fast, we needed to give him some of the hard truths early. We didn't want to let him down too hard. You know, like we thought, let's bring him along as fast as we can and teach him the word of wisdom. Like, so our third or fourth lesson, we taught him the word of wisdom. And we, we knew he was a chain smoker. Like he told us, yeah, I smoke three packs a day. He worked construction. And then like in the evenings, he would do tattoos for people <laughs> out of his house. <laughs> and, uh... I, he quit cold turkey. Like he quit smoking. Wild. He smoked his entire life and quit and was like convulsing in bed for oh my gosh three days. Um, the guy had so much faith and um, just kept progressing. And we baptized, you know, came to church. In Chile, we had a rule that every investigator had to come to church at least three times mm -hmm. before they could be baptized. You know, and some would come like twice and then forget and come again. But he came three times. We baptized. I, I had the honor to baptize him. Oh, that is awesome. And the week after he got baptized, he's like, got the priesthood, became a priest in the Aaronic priesthood. And he blessed the sacrament and I passed it. It was just like the most wild transformation I'd ever seen in my life. I'll never forget it. It's just like the power of the gospel. It's like some people. Now, I know this is not all people right yeah it's definitely not but you just never judge a person by their cover so to speak never judge a book by their cover right like this was probably someone who i never would have guessed had the conversion story that he had and and um he's just such an honorable man today like such a good father do you stay his, in touch yeah yeah his wife awesome. got baptized his son got baptized he baptized them and did he change his physical appearance at all? Yeah, cleaned it up, got a haircut. Wow. 
stopped doing tattoos, (laughs) took out a lot of the piercings, you know, and he's just such a good man. So faithful. It's those kinds of transformations and things you see in people that you'll never forget. It's like I did nothing. It had nothing to do with, with Chris Marsh. I just followed a little prompting and did my job, did my responsibility and the Lord took care of the rest. That's so, awesome. Starts yeah. with having a great trainer, teach you yeah. how to follow the spirit. Yeah. Then you actually follow the spirit and then you don't judge somebody and it leads to an, uh, an amazing transformation. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's incredible. It was certainly, I mean, I share it here today because it was one of the stories that stood out to me the most. But uh, even if you don't baptize somebody, like you can see conversion take place, like change take place. And I saw that with a lot of people too. It's amazing. It's pretty cool. Well, that's a great one. And it sounds like you have a couple others. That you want yeah, to share? sure. So, so um, my family came down to pick me up from my mission. Uh, I have four brothers, two parents. They all came down and my dad rented one of those 18 passenger vans. Because <laughs> he's like, well, I want everybody to be in the same car. And I want us to be able to spread out a little bit. They asked him at the airport. They're like, do you want to buy insurance? And normally he would never buy car insurance because like you credit cards that will cover, you know, rental cars. But he's like, you know what? I'm in a foreign country. I probably should. (laughs) So we were uh, visiting some of my converts in an area and like stop and go traffic. And we stopped and we felt this bump against the back of us. Right. Uh, So I get out and it's this cute, like Chileno farmer in his old beat down truck and and his eyes are just like deer in the headlights. He's just like, what? I don't know. And I, and I, I looked at him and I, you have to be kind of firm. And I said, you hit us. We're going to pull over. You pull over too. We'll work this out. So I get back in the car. There wasn't really a elbow to pull over where it happened. So we had to drive a little bit of a ways and then we pulled over and he just kept driving. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we called the Carabineros, which are like the Chilean police. And they came and we're just filing our little report with the police. We knew nothing would probably come of it. It was a fender bender. It yeah. wasn't that bad. And I guess this happens a lot at the scenes of crimes. Like the criminals will come back and like look at the mayhem Check around the crime. Oh, no. <laughs> sure enough, as we're talking to the police, I'm not even joking. He drives by. Oh, no. <laughs> and we're like, that's the guy. <laughs> and the police were like what are we gonna do yeah. you know and we're like yeah it's okay you know let him go it's okay just this sweet chileno farmer who was just so scared he hit americans you yeah. know well a couple days later we go visit some of my other converts right and we're in my converts um house for dinner and it's taken like three hours like because they just want to talk yeah and we're in there and we hear this like yelling outside and we go outside and the van's window had been busted in with like a bat or something. Oh, no. And somebody had gotten into the car and grabbed my mom's backpack that had my brother's medication oh. and grabbed a guitar. But they didn't get much. Like, that's pretty much all they got because somebody caught so- them in the act. They're like, hey, stop. Don't do that anymore. The van had this massive window that was just busted. Oh. <laughs> and so, so we like got duct tape and we duct taped the window <laughs> closed. And we had to like drive around Santiago. We were going up to Santiago and it was um, Chile's Independence Day. Okay. While we were up there, which is the ACOCHO of September. 
and all the pharmacies were closed. Like my brother had, oh, no. so we couldn't get medication. And like the, the van just looks wrecked, yes. you know, it just looks totally wrecked. And we drove up to return it to the airport finally. <laughs> and the people at the airport were like so gracious. It was so interesting. Like they could have been like, what the heck? Right. <laughs> you crazy Americans. And we just told them the stories and they're like, we're so sorry. Hopefully you don't remember our country by this. Right? Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think it just went, I mean, it was a fun experience for my brothers to just kind of get a feel for children life. It's a little wild, you know, in foreign <laughs> countries. It's different. And there's still just such good people in all areas of the world. And and that's the beauty of a mission, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's an adventure. Like yeah, some, totally. sometimes you get yourself into weird situations that you wouldn't be in if you just stay on the east side of Salt Lake City or, you know, wherever you're from and getting out of your comfort zone. Like 100%. it's great, man. You, you, you get a little action. You, get, you go on an adventure that you never, never would have experienced if you just didn't do it. I remember a missionary describing to me once that on missions you're going to meet so many and it's going to feel weird there's just so many weird people right and i did right you just meet people who have been walked so many different paths of life yes and you didn't even know that there were that those paths existed yeah like go out there yes yeah and i I talked to two guys that were convinced they were two of the four horsemen of the apocalypse (laughs) like 100 percent convinced of it (laughs) never would have talked to people like that if i hadn't hadn't done that but anyway keep going yeah yeah and so you just get uh i guess i don't know just an appreciation for what you had and a humility uh, just like kind of an empathy humility for and love, I think love's probably the best word to describe it for people who have just come from different paths than you and have suffered really hard things and kept going and decided that they wanted to be happy and just live their lives the best way that they can. Man, I just have so many experiences of, of just meeting such a diverse array of people working with, like, you know, when you're knocking doors, anybody can come open, <laughs> open that door. <laughs> Like I remember wor- working with like intellectuals, like professors all the way to people who had nothing, mm. right? Living out of shacks. Um, it's really powerful. Missions are just incredible growth experiences and expands your view of the world. It helps you to see yourself honestly too in like a, a new light. Like God truly does love all of his children. I really believe that, you know, like he really is aware of every single human being's experience, life experience. And if it were up to him, he'd save them all if he could. I really believe that. You, as a missionary, you're just kind of an instrument in his hands. Like you just get to go and just do his work and do nothing else. It's a beautiful thing. It's hard, but it's such a beautiful thing at the same time. Like out of that hardship comes so much growth. So, 100% agree. Yeah. I'll share a story, another one. Okay, let's get one more. Okay. So I always had a testimony of Jesus Christ, right? Um, I feel like I was one of those people that was just kind of born with the gift of knowing that Jesus was the Christ. Like I said, I was like really excited and proud to like wear Jesus Christ's name on my chest. Mm -hmm. The Joseph Smith story, I believed, but I was really kind of probably leaning on the testimonies of others when it came to the Joseph Smith story. (laughs) Yeah, I've been there on a few things for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I came across a lot of people who read anti-Mormon literature and like would bring up story stuff about looking at a hat. And I was like, what's that mean? You know, mm-hmm. like I didn't, nobody told me that 
growing up. And um, so I'm like, I have some unanswered questions that I don't know if I can fully trust that story all the way, but I have faith that it's true. I have faith that like he did restore Jesus Christ true church on, on the earth, right? And I was sitting in a um, one of my mission presidents zone conferences, mission conferences, you know, we do that like once a transfer. Yeah. And I had Michael Hawkins as my mission president. He would he was such a cool mission president. I also had Jorge Ceballos, so if either of them are listening to this, shout out to the best mission presidents <laughs> in the world. <laughs> but President Hawkins would go into deep doctrine during our mission um, conferences. And he was going really deep into the doctrine of the restoration and the apostasies. You know, so apostasy, then restoration. And I'll never forget, he had just kind of laid out all the events of the apostasy and the darkness that the earth had been in. And I was just like, yeah, that sounds pretty dark. The Crusades, yeah. you know, like <laughs> all these people searching for truth yeah. and like people who were reformers, like Martin Luther being totally persecuted for trying to, you know, all these people were trying to get the Bible published, right? Tinsdale and all of them just burnt at the stake, crucified. Just I was like, oh man. And, uh, he said, okay, I want you guys, everybody just stay silent for like a few minutes. And so we're kind of in this dark place. And he puts up a picture of the first vision. And like, I, I received the confirmation that that was true. I didn't have all the answers, still had questions. I was able to feel the spirit testify to me that that indeed happened. That like all of the goodness of the faith that I had experienced was because of that, you know? And so share it with others, you know, confidently. So I had a conversion. I had like my own little conversion experience on my mission, you know? Um, and you don't have to, I feel like you don't have to have that before you go on a mission. Like sometimes that could happen during, sometimes it could happen after. Like you said, you can rely on the testimony of other people for, for certain things until you can get your own witness. The kind of, that was the order of operations for me, I guess, from a testimony experience. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank, thank you for telling us that story. Sure. I really, really appreciate you sharing that. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that, you know, have similar questions or have even had a similar experience. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. And Chris, my last question for you that I asked everybody, was it worth it going on a mission? A hundred percent. Yeah. Probably made that clear. Yes. Already. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I love my mission. I loved it. It, it was, um, I look back on it with a lot of fondness. I, I'll have, I had life-changing experiences I'll never forget. Well, Chris, thank you so much for these stories. These You're are welcome. These are excellent, and I just have loved hearing them and really appreciate you coming and sharing them with us. You're welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for joining. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When I Was On My Mission. If you or someone you know has a great mission story, we would love to hear it. Please email us at contactonmymission at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at When I Was On My Mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app.